Welcome to WeChat Divorce. I'm Karen, and I'm here with Catherine, and we're here to talk about real people, real situations, and real divorce. Today, we're going to go behind the scenes to discuss some real situations that people encounter in divorce. In our second segment, we'll respond to letters and emails from real people about their experience or a question or a challenge that they're experiencing now or, or for a loved one. Finally, we'll have a conversation with our special guest, Karen Ryan. She's a realtor right here on Hilton Head Island. So let's start with behind the scenes, Catherine. I actually have a really great story about someone and Karen Ryan together. So this is a really, this was a very exciting um, situation for me and now for the client and I think for Karen as well. Um, so she can confirm that later. I was in Pennsylvania. Wife came to us from a referral she was getting nowhere with her divorce. She was two years into the process and they were stumped on this rental property that they owned down at a beach somewhere is how she was explaining to me. She did not want this rental property. She was the breadwinner of the family. He wanted this property. He liked to come and she just didn't want it. But there was really no way out. The attorneys didn't know what to do about it. They thought it was underwater, right? They thought it was underwater and she didn't want it and he did and then so they just didn't know what to do. They were going back and forth but he clearly could not afford it. She had some emotional issues with having it because of things that went wrong in their marriage. So I said to her, so where is this rental property? And she said, Hilton Head, South Carolina. And I said, well, as a matter of fact, I'm going there and I happen to be scheduled to come a couple weeks later. I said, I know a realtor, I'm going to talk to her, see if she'll take me there, and then I can evaluate it financially and see if it would be worthwhile keeping, and maybe we can financially be creative and come up with a solution to finally end your divorce. I called Karen Ryan, I told her the situation, she said, absolutely, I will take you there. We set up an appointment, I came here, we went there. She went through everything, she said it was lovely, we manage properties, so the stress would not have to be on the client. We went through the numbers. She gave me a spreadsheet of possible rental income on this property. I went back to Pennsylvania, met with the wife. We went through the numbers and she actually started to cry. She was, she was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you have a solution for me. I can't believe this two years can come to an ending because this could work. And I said, yes, it could. Go back to your attorney and here's what you should tell them. She did, they got divorced, and to this day, she's still renting that property and she's very happy about it. So to me, that was just such a great story. It was just, again, a way to help somebody think financially creative, take the emotion out of why you do not want this asset, which is an asset for her. Sometimes it can be a debt, so we would, re mm -hmm. and if it was, we would have said, let's think of another thing that we can do to balance this out for you. Well, that was a win-win for everybody. It was. And to that point, it's so hard to make decisions in the divorce process at any moment because you're just so driven by your emotions and everything's new and an unknown. And I know that you say so many times to people, we're gonna start with the knowns and we're gonna keep going from there. Mm -hmm. So that's- There's so many unknowns, let's focus on the knowns, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then everything kind of falls into place. Um, another thing I think we should also talk about is when you're transferring property after divorce and you, so she got the property for herself, it's so important that you know that the deed is correct. And even though it seems like a simple transaction, 
even that can be messed up and can be a reason for litigation later. So anytime you're, you're wrapping up things after a divorce and you're ending up with property, make sure you get that deed reviewed by a real estate attorney. It's just so important. You know, and I never really realized how important that was until you actually pointed it out to me. Mm -hmm. You know, you just assume it's registered in your name or just your spouse's yeah. name, but that is important. Yeah. I think just in the last three months, we found deeds that's completely missing half the description or the wrong name or the wrong title, and it, it's a big deal. So remember that. That's a very good thing to do. So the takeaway here is... Don't ever feel like you're stuck in a situation with property. There are professionals that will work together, will come up with a solution for you. Whether it's good news or bad news, you'll get it. And we will figure out a plan for you to take care of that and move forward. And if your deed is not looked at, we will align you with the um, real estate attorneys, probably is the best resource for yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. To have that double check. And then you make your realtor's job much easier as well. Yeah. All right, in our next segment, we'll be um, reading a letter from a viewer in the C and K segment. We'll be right back. Welcome back. We're going into the C and K segment now, and today we have a letter from Janet. Janet's from Milwaukee. Dear C and K, my name is Janet. I never thought I would be in this position, but I'm a new empty nester and am facing divorce. I want to keep the family home, but don't know how I can afford it. I'm afraid to live on my own, and I'm not sure how I can keep up with all of the household responsibilities. Do you have advice for me? Hmm. Janet. Janet, that's a common one. We hear that all the time. and it. Most of the time it is people just afraid to uproot their children or leave all their memories behind and so they can't think about really can they afford this and all their responsibilities and what would it be to move into a new home and to change their whole lifestyle again you leave your friends and all of that but you really should take inventory on what needs to be done in your house then financially we see what would be the cost to have that done in your house. What are your bills? And what are your assets? Would you be able to maintain that? And is that the lifestyle you want moving forward? You might want to change your whole way of living now. Now that you're an empty nester, and I know, because I happen to be enjoying it, my refrigerator's <laughs> filled with water until my children come home. Um, you might like that new lifestyle that's coming your way. So my, I always give that exercise. I want you to go ride around, contact a realtor, ask them to show you a few homes walk in and visualize your life moving forward. And would you like the simplicity of a smaller place? You know, even when people stay married, they like to downsize. Mm -hmm. So getting divorced, you probably want to downsize even more. And I think another element, and I hear you say this as well, you don't have to make a decision, just explore, just be open to new ideas. And I think sometimes when you allow yourself to do that and take one step at a time, you formulate a decision for yourself that feels good when you don't feel pressure to make that decision. Right, and consider this. When you're choosing to stay in your home, along with the responsibility of everything that is now on your shoulders, is that is probably your, one of your biggest assets. So that asset now will go into your column, which means that your spouse is probably getting retirement monies or cash that you will find that you want when you, when you move on in life. Mm -hmm. So don't decide to just keep this big responsibility and this big asset all wrapped up into this house. 
without going through your financials, going through your post-divorce budget, and really thinking about where you visualize your life moving forward. Yeah, it could cut into your travel time, your time with your grandkids, or you know, a whole host of things that you may want to do. And sometimes, you know, you're so connected emotionally to your house, but after a year or so, it becomes a burden and an albatross of sorts. And, um, and then you have it, and then you have to spend the money to sell it, which is not inexpensive either. Right. Yeah. And then you have to fix anything the inspector says that you need to fix, or you really realize that I'm realizing, and I'm sure you do, your children are older, is that when you become an empty nester, how often do your kids come home? You know, then they start having children, so you're going to go to their homes, you know, to visit them. So right. you want to keep this home because you want your children to come home there. But the reality is, wherever you live and whatever home you make is their home. So it doesn't matter if it is the home they grew up in, it's just the home where you are. So wherever you will be, you will make it the home where they'll go to. Yeah, I agree. I remember my kids, I certainly wasn't an empty nester, I'm still not, but my children were really small, five and seven. And so I wanted to find our little love nest of sorts and I let them help me look for a home. <laughs> and it was the tiniest little two bedroom apartment and but we felt safe and it was our home. And then a year later, then I bought the townhouse when I could make better decisions with more clarity. And so that was really very helpful for me. And I knew I had to get out of my home. It was too big. I was not going to spend all of my alimony, all of my support, just keeping up this house. Although I loved mm -hmm. it, um, it just wasn't feasible for me. So I moved and rented first also mm -hmm. into a town home. And the unfortunate thing for me was that I had to choose between my children and the dogs because any mm. place I found to rent that was nice enough for my children, they wouldn't allow animals. So any place n nice enough for the animals, I wouldn't put my children. So I did choose my children. Um, but, you know, it gave me that time to really see what I needed for the two of us. And they didn't miss the big house at all. Yeah. They walked in and said, oh my gosh, it smells like you, mom, you know, if oh. I was cooking and all of that. And that, you know, that just made me feel great. Yeah. So it really, the takeaway here is do not be attached to your home. Work with a realtor. We'll talk to Karen about that in the next segment. Yeah. And know that wherever you are is your home for your kids and for yourself. Yeah. And Janet, I recommend that you take two columns and the first column write down all of your expenses to own the home. Just go through it line by line. And the next column may be a less expensive home and things you may want to do. And just see how that feels. In any event, make the best decisions for yourself. We'll be right back to um, have a discussion with Karen Ryan. Welcome back. We're so happy to have Karen Ryan of Weikert Realtors here from Hilton Head Island with us today. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here with you. Well, we're so happy to have you. Absolutely. Karen, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and sure. what you do and what makes you get up every day. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Love what I do. Um, I'm Karen Ryan. I'm a broker owner of Weikert Realtors Coastal Properties. Um, lived on the island 25 years and um, we, I manage the residential sales team, love working with 
buyers and sellers and um, I loved working with the client you referenced, oh, I, Catherine. I talked about that earlier. That was yeah. just so. That was just so wonderful. It's just what so you nice. do is so needed because it's such an emotional time. Any real estate transaction is an emotional decision, whether it's positive and happy or really stressful because you're going through such a life change. So that you're there for people at that time when they're so uncertain with what's next, all these unknowns as you talk about, it's great to have an advocate. Mm -hmm. So that was wonderful. You came that was to great. me. You were wonderful too. Yeah, it was, it was, was great. And you served your client well, and I feel like that information really helped her. Mm -hmm. So And she's still happy. Good. <laughs> That's the goal. That's awesome. <laughs> Good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I know I've heard great things about you, and oh. so I'm excited to talk with you more today. And we have a lot of questions for you. Great. So. Yes in a short amount of time, okay. so let's try to get through them. All right. So number one, we, we get asked a lot, how does a person's credit score affect their ability to buy or rent a new home? Uh, greatly, it, it yeah. very greatly can affect your ability to buy. Um, first thing I would say is know your financial uh, condition first. Know, um, you know where where your finances, where your money is. Um, be able to bring that to a lender and find out what your um, credit score is your ability to buy. You can go to Equifax or many services to find out your credit score. Um, you'll be able to get a greater amount of uh, money if you have a great, a better credit score, and your interest rates will be lower if you mm -hmm. have a better credit score. So, work on improving that. If um, if you find something that's a surprise on there, and um, you know you can uh, improve your credit score greatly by knowing the facts by at least finding finding out what, what's on it. What if you have no credit score? We run into that. Yeah, right. Where and we've seen that yeah. too with women who are going through a divorce and um, you know they feel like oh it's going to be fine. We've bought many many homes over the years uh, and they come to find out they have no credit. No credit is actually worse than bad credit sometimes. That's so interesting the score, you say that. Yeah. yeah, the score is far lower uh, with no credit. They have no history. The banks have no idea um, what kind of risk you are. So mm -hmm. uh, if um, someone finds themselves in that position and they have no credit, first thing you want to do is get a credit card. Um, make sure you make payments on that credit mm -hmm. card. Uh, you want to not necessarily put a charge on there and pay it right off. You want to, you know, get a get a charge and then mm -hmm. pay it over time so they can see that you're paying the minimum or more mm -hmm. on the card. Don't put yourself in a financial risk, but <laughs> but um, show some history of, of on-time payments. Okay. Um, that really will help. I, I would not have realized that. So mm -hmm. how long does it take to establish credit? Well, usually it will take about a year to establish okay. credit. You can uh, you can do it in six months. You can mm -hmm. at least start to make a, um, a dent in it where mm -hmm. it's not, you know, the low 300 credit score, very, yeah. very low because you have no, no credit. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, in six months you're going to see some established credit on there. So okay. it can happen relatively fast, but you have to know your position and where you are. Right. Uh, to start, so yeah. get all gather all that information you can. I'm curious about what your thoughts are about renting and buying. So, do yeah. you, you know, renting is it easier for someone to do that first and then transition yeah. to buying? Especially if you don't have credit, it gives you a year to build some credit up. Right. Sometimes, I mean, it really depends. You know, I get a good idea from talking to the client if they. 
um, if they really want a place of their own and they really just uh, gone through an emotionally difficult time and this is going to be their happy place, you know, that mm -hmm. is a whole different scenario than somebody who's very uncertain, um, really has a hard time making decisions. If I see somebody in that kind of state, I will say, look, I really recommend you rent for a period of time. Rent will continue to look, something will feel right. You said that before. Mm -hmm. it, it'll oh, so feel that's nice. So you actually take that on as yourself. You oh, say, yeah. let me assess this person and see how emotionally they're ready for this. I like that. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. I get a good sense mm -hmm. from someone, and I think yeah. anybody who's been in real estate uh, a while can get a good sense from somebody if they are just, um, you know, indecisive about what they want to do. One day they want to do one thing, the next they're very, uh, they dial it back and say, you know, I, I'm not ready for this. Mm -hmm. So I don't ever want to push somebody in that position mm -hmm. to move forward with buying. I don't want them to have a, you know. That's a, great. Yeah, you want them to, to really want mm -hmm. want to buy and, and have it be right for their life. Mm -hmm. So I think you were right. Make a, a list on how much that, you know, it's going to cost mm -hmm. you. I can certainly give them ideas on what a property is going to cost them and they can make an informed decision. Mm -hmm. right. But I do recommend if somebody's going through a very stressful um, life change like divorce and they are, are uncertain in their life with what's next, mm -hmm. it's probably better to rent. Okay. When you take someone through to buy a home, and let's just talk about a woman in transition because we've all, well, we've been there um, when you go through the divorce process. And this is the first time, you know, I remember even myself, you're making this grand purchase and right. for yourself now at this time. It's right. all your responsibility. You know, I was used to doing it for a spouse or with a spouse, never did that. Do you ever have to have the reality talk with them that you can't afford the upkeep of this home? Because a lot of people can afford to buy a home, but can right. they afford to maintain the home? Right. And what negative effect that would have on them in the long run? Yeah, I think sometimes if they've never owned a home by themselves, there is this, um, again, unknown and they don't realize in some cases they're buying a villa, there's a regime fee and a PO, or property owners oh. association fee. And there's transfer fees, there's all these different um, fees that come mm -hmm. into effect uh, with certain properties. So we'd always lay that out on what it's what it'll cost them to get into that home, what mm -hmm. it will cost for um, monthly carrying costs mm -hmm. for that home. And then they can make a decision if that's something they wanna move forward with. And um, alimony, the receipt of yeah. alimony, plays in two different ways. Mm -hmm. One, how long do they need to have alimony in place before they will qualify? But also, alimony is going to end at some point, right. most of the time. Right. And then, you know, they need to plan beyond that. And so many times, that's not really taken into consideration. So, right. first of all, how, how many months of alimony do they need to have in place before they will qualify? Uh, they need to, ha need to have a history of six months of alimony payments or receipt of payments mm -hmm. um, in order for that to count towards qualification for a loan. So, Which is a really good point to bring up as a financial here that needs mm -hmm. to be negotiated in your agreement. So if you are in the process and you are thinking of buying a home, make sure that it is recorded somehow that you are receiving those payments sooner than later if you right. are in anticipation of buying. Right, great point. Yeah, because they come out thinking, oh, I'm going to get this and this is going to count towards it, but it, it can't count towards Because you uh, actually right? take the decree right. and you have to submit that with your application Correct. as proof that you are receiving that alimony. And the length of time that you're receiving it. Right, that's right. You have to receive it for three years at least? 
Uh, right, right, to qualify. Yeah. And then mm -hmm. after that point, you know, you have to just show you can afford the property. Mm -hmm. So it does come into it's effect. so much to think yeah. about. There's a lot to think mm -hmm. about. But, you know, as long as you, you know these things and you can go in prepared, you just gather that information, talk to the right professional. I think your service is so awesome for um, somebody who's coming out deer in headlights. They right. really need an advocate. And talk to a, a real estate professional. We'll put you with a great mortgage lender who can give you the great advice. You don't have to move forward either way. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't be working with somebody who's putting pressure on you mm -hmm. to make a decision. I, absolutely, that, I agree with yeah. that. It should be. And I like how you assess how they mm -hmm. are feeling about yeah. their decision making and you're willing to go, let's go to rental right now. Yeah. Because we say mm -hmm. that often, I always say, just rent for a year and then yeah. decide. So it's mm -hmm. nice that you do that and if someone is being aggressive, back off. Right. I yeah. mean, a real estate professional wants that person in the right home. We love home ownership. Mm -hmm. We love, um, you know, making someone really happy with a home. And so a lot of times they come down to Hilton Head and they look many years, um, come in and they look for a property and then they leave again. Um, but in this situation, um, you know, we want them to to rent and mm -hmm. to really assess, you know, where they're living. Maybe they thought, oh, I, you know, I want to try a different plantation than where where I was married, or you know, right, and right. Um, rent there for a little while. See what the lifestyle's like. See if you make friends, and you mm -hmm. know, it's often not not what you think living right. in a place. So. Right. Yeah. Well, I would like to cover one more question yeah. before our time is up yeah. because this really factored into when I was buying a home. What is the typical ratio of income to housing expense? Well, what's um, what's required by mortgage uh, lenders is fifty no more than fifty percent of okay. um, your income um, mm -hmm. or your debt to income ratio. And that's a lot, mm -hmm. though. So when you're first getting um, you know divorced, you want to have a lifestyle. You want to be able to go out. So. You know, really more comfortable is 40, 45, mm -hmm. you know, okay. 40. 20% down? Uh, 20%, well. As a down payment in most cases? Um, yeah, you can go 15% down. 20% uh, down is for an investment property. Oh, okay. Uh, but, but there are other okay. other uh, scenarios you can put to 3% down. Oh, so just wow. depending on the kind of loan and kind of property. Oh, great. So, great information. Yeah. Thank you, Karen, for sure. being with us today. And thank well, you thank all you. for tuning in. If you would like to join the conversation or connect with us directly, please email us at info at divorce, the letter U, solutions.com. And remember, we chat because you matter.